It's good to be here and worship together and learn together as well. And we're, as, as, as Taylor mentioned, with our group launch, one of the things that, um, you can keep in mind if this, if it's something you've never done before is that it's a, it's like about three months, you know, and it's not a real lengthy uh, group. Um, that's partly intentional just because we typically grow by putting stress on our lives for a while and then we let up the stress. It's like going to the gym, you work out, you stress your muscles and then you release and stress and release and that's how you grow muscles. To grow spiritually is really similar principle is you, you, you put some pressure on your life, which is what a group provides. Getting around people, um, getting introduced to God's Word and just application of, of it, it adds some pressure in a way that it, it, it nudges us towards growth and change if we'll apply it. And so we, we think that groups is one of the best ways that we can help people grow uh, long term. And so I would really encourage you to uh, to jump on board. So far, we're I think we're nearing 80 adults that have signed up just from the last um, week. And we've got like four weeks of signups, I think. But um, so things are going great. This is our best launch so far as far as, you know, momentum. Um, but we really um, there's opportunity for everyone um, to join a group, and so we would love it if you would, if you would jump into one of those. Well, this morning we're beginning a new message series, as you see by this um, slide in your bulletin, and I'd like to pray as we, as we get into this topic. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for bringing us here, God. Thank you for just this new week ahead of us, Lord. Um, we know, God, that you're in charge of our lives and you're in control of every detail every moment of, of, of this, the reality that we live in, Lord. We know that there's nothing that goes on that catches you off guard or by surprise, Lord. We know that you work in the midst of hard times, in the midst of, of just extreme joy, Lord. And we're in desperate need of staying connected to you, really to understand how life works, how things come together, Lord. We want to make sense out of how, out of how to have a relationship with you and walk with you daily. Lord, I pray that as we look into your word at this, um, at the topic of providence and understanding how you work, Lord, I pray you would shed some light on this area for us personally, Lord, um, that we would have a clear uh, perspective of who you are, God, and how we can be uh, working with you, God. I do pray against distractions, Lord, right now. I just pray you'd minimize those in our minds and in this room, Lord. Uh, we just ask you to give us the ability to focus in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the Bible, you find out that there is a certain kind of knowledge. You can, you can gain a certain kind of perspective, a certain kind of knowledge that breeds a level of confidence in life. It gives you a certain perspective that allows you to have tremendous confidence in life. If you understand, if you know certain things, um, as I handle the flow of life and as I aim to do what God has put me as a person, on earth to do, um, I find that I need confidence. I need to have some certitude, some assurance of what I'm setting out to do in life. And confidence is something that we need to make when we're handling decisions. Decisions are very, very difficult. And we need confidence in the midst of making decisions because making decisions is sometimes trying to like hit a moving target that's flying by. And uh, it's not easy to do. We need we need a level of confidence. When we're trying to clear up relationships, if, if things get kind of jumbled up or messed up in relationships and we head into the tunnel of chaos in a relationship, it really helps if we have a sense of confidence, once again, 
when we step in to clear something up. Um, if you're if you're facing health concerns, or if you know someone face, facing health concerns, and we're wondering, you know, how is this really going to play out? Again, it really helps if we have confidence. And this idea of confidence it ties into what we're going to look at this morning: God's providence. It's something we need. Just over and over and over again, we need to have a certain confidence about who God is when it comes to our marriages, our parenting, our careers, you know, all these different areas we come up against. Um, we need to we need to be certain of certain certain of certain that didn't flow. Certain of things. And so we're looking at this word providence. The, the word providence is from a Latin prefix and root pro meaning before or in front of. Videre meaning to see. So when you put these two words together, you have a word that means to see beforehand. Providence means to see beforehand. You might want to write that down in your listening guide. God has this unique vantage point. He can see things beforehand. In other words, He sees the end from the beginning. God is, He is not limited by our understanding. It's like God has this amazing set of binoculars. Who's ever purchased a really expensive set of binoculars? Anybody? I'll skip that. Okay, who owns a pair of binoculars? I've never had a good pair of binoculars. I don't know about you, but you know, it's like God has this ability to just have this view way down to the end of the road, you know, to to the end of the road of our lives. He's able to see into the future. He knows exactly what's going to happen in our lives. This is really hard for us to imagine. How how can that be? And the answer is is because he's God, and then we're not. There are some things that we are not able to fully comprehend about who He is, what He does, how He works. His ways, the Scripture says, are unsearchable. They're incomprehensible. We cannot completely just wrap our minds around it and say, I got it. I finally figured God out. He is, he's beyond our understanding. However, we can know enough about God in order to trust Him. He's revealed Enough about himself so that we can take steps of faith and, and trust him from day to day. If you're in a point where you're investigating Christianity, you're pursuing, you're, you're trying to navigate what it means to relate with God, I'd encourage you, check it out. Really ask some questions. All of your questions, um, God, you know, God, he can answer things that are maybe unsettled in your mind. Ask him to show you the truth and, and he will get involved in clarifying. We have people in this church that that I know of, that when they came to Christ, they had a lot of questions. And it, it didn't make a lot of sense to just to put their life on the line and believe in something that there just there was major, major doubts and questions. And so they had to wrestle with questions in order to step confidently into a relationship with Christ. So in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to look at how much confidence it brings to actually know God, to trust Him, and to trust in His providence, the fact that He sees beforehand. So providence, you know, it has this idea of, you, you see some words, um, the word provide, provision. Um, so it has the idea that he is watching us, and he's also watching after us. So he's paying attention. Look at this verse in Proverbs 15.3. It says, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere. They're everywhere. Keeping watch on the wicked and the good. God's provision is another aspect of his providence. He's not this supreme clockmaker who just fashions and designs this intricate watch and then just sets it and lets it go and backs out, steps out of the picture to let life and our lives just run by themselves. God is very much in control 
of the details of our life. He is providing for us. He's providing in ways we don't see. Um, so here's the key thought. This is at the top of your listening guide. And we're going to really look at this one thought as, it's, as it jumps out of one story in the life of a man named Abraham. So here's the thought. Our confidence grows every time we trust God to provide. Our confidence, this idea of what we need, it grows every time we just trust God to provide. The steps we take, it builds this confidence so in the future we can have this track record of, I know God will come through. He's not going to rip me off. He's been faithful through the years. He, he will not let us down here. So every day we have to act in line with this idea of trusting God, whether it's through crisis situations, whether things are going really well, Abraham, he's this guy, and we're going to look at his story in Genesis, first chapter 12. He's an example of someone whose confidence grew as he trusted God to provide. God chose this man, Abraham, to be the father of a nation who would bless the whole world. So let's look at this. God's promise first to Abraham is in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. And it says, The Lord had said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household. He's like, Leave your comfort zone. All that you knew. All that you can see, leave all of that stuff. And he says, and go to the land, I will show you. He doesn't even tell him where he's going. He says, just start going and I'll, I'll direct you on the way. And uh, I know we've all been in the place where we're, we're, we're told to go somewhere and we're like, I need to know where I'm going. How can I, you know, I don't really like to, I'm not the kind of person that likes to go on a trip if I haven't put it in my phone navigation or something, and I don't like to just feel my way there. I know some people have that sense of direction where they'll just find it, you know. But I think most of us, we want to know where we're going, and Abraham's not giving, or Abram's not given that clear direction from God. He just says, just go. Go to the land I will show you. Then he says in verse 2, I will make you into a great nation. He makes this major promise in a series of promises, and I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. He makes this magnificent promise to Abram. First, I will make you into a great nation. This is a big promise because Abram, he, at this point, he has no kids. He's older, he has no kids. He was 75 years old when God makes this promise to him. He's, he's an aging man. His wife, Sarah was barren. She wasn't able to have kids. And so God says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. In order for that to happen, Sarah and Abraham have to produce an offspring, right? How do you make a nation out of someone who can't have kids? And so Abram, he obeys God. It says, the scripture says, he immediately left his homeland and he treks through the desert because God told him to go to this land where he would give him his descendants. And Abram, interesting thing, he has no map. He has no knowledge of the geography. And he went at least 400 miles across the Arabian desert, taking this, you know, pathless, you know, route, because this is what God asked him to do. And he did it. God just simply said, go. He did it. When he arrived in Canaan, he gets to the place where God directs him. God says, he kind of like points, he says, Abram, to your offspring, I will give this land. And Abram, again, he was 75 years old. and He doesn't have any offspring. It was 25 years later that Abram's son, Isaac, was born. Twenty-five years passes before that fulfillment of the promise. And Abram finally 
At this point, his name was changed to Abraham. He finally had a legitimate heir. He, he, they give birth to Isaac, the son of the promise. And you can just imagine how excited they were to see, wow, God came through. And again, you know, our confidence is built every time we trust God to provide. He, he just was like, wow, how in the world did this happen? So you can imagine with requests that God makes, how that builds confidence for him to say, you know what? God's coming through. Even if I can't see it, even if I have no ability to see down the road, he has a plan in this. And with Isaac, you can imagine just how how much of a treasured gift Isaac was to Abraham and Sarah. Their son was this favored. They probably savored every moment with him. You know, and I, I have kids and there's this there's this special connection you have with your children. But in this case, I think even more so, God made this magnificent promise about the future that would, you know, find its way through this, through this little boy. Through this boy, all the nations of the world will be blessed. So God was certainly on the move. And it was probably seeming like, I'm sure Abraham and Sarah felt like, God, you're, you're on the move, but this is kind of a slow process, but I'm, I'm on board with this. And then things take this unexpected turn. We get to Genesis chapter 22. This is one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. We find Abraham's, Abraham's ultimate test of faith in this chapter. So, verse 1. We're just going to walk through this section of Scripture. It says, Sometime later God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. I'm going to stop right there. The, the response that Abraham gives, here I am, the Hebrew word is hineni. Hineni. And I, I've been thinking a lot about this word. And when I was in college and studying Hebrew, this was a word that I thought, man, I want to look into this. And I wanted to, I just thought it was an interesting word. You see it come up in Scripture many times where different people respond in this way. God calls them and they say, here I am. Hineni is the, is the Hebrew. But Abraham's response was more than just saying, hey, I hear you. It was really something more than just a physical, like I'm present. It has the sense of I'm here. I am fully here with all of my being. I'm personally here. I'm emotionally, spiritually here. I'm ready to do whatever it is you want. I'm fully present in this moment. Here I am. He's presenting himself to God. This is very different than the response we might get. Very different than, you know, hey, Josh, huh? Or my, I think of my responses, huh? Or what's up? Um, which has a little bit of a challenge. Like I may listen, I may not. Right? What's up? It's an evaluation, kind of. Like, well, you know, convince me, and then I'll do something with this. Or another response I might have for myself would be, yeah. Again, there's some challenge in that. There's some hesitation in that. Yeah, I'm waiting to respond. Very, very different what he says. Hineni. Here I am. He's presenting himself to God. Look at verse 2. It says, Then God said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as, an, as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will tell you about. He raises the stakes. Verse he says, Take your son. That's okay. You know, your only son. He's raising the stakes. You know the one you really, really, really love? It's like God is wanting him to see just how 
high these stakes are of obedience. Child sacrifice was not uncommon in these days. Generally, it was an attempt to appease some temperamental God, but sacrificing your only son was not common, especially a son given in promise like this in old age. So this, this request didn't make any sense whatsoever to Abraham. This was a huge test. It was a supreme test. And Abraham's life to this point was marked with his extraordinary faith steps. Again, God said go and he went. He took these steps. And he trusted God fully up to this point. There was nothing, though, more precious to Abraham than his son Isaac. Nothing. And now he was being asked to give give him up. How would you respond to God when it looks like you're going to lose something very precious to you? How would you respond if God says, I want, I want you to give up the most precious thing in your life, the dream you have, the child you have? Where, where would you put your confidence? Think about Abraham, all that might be going through his head. Then verse 3 says, early the next morning, Abraham, he got up, he saddled his donkey, he didn't, he didn't hesitate to obey. He gets up, there's been books written about this, um, Philosophers have written about this whole idea. Why did Abraham respond so quickly? Was it he couldn't sleep all night? He was tossing and turning, so he just happened to be awake. I'm going to go carry this out. Was it? But it, whatever it was that motivated him, he gets up. He doesn't hesitate to obey. He took with him the, set, the verse says, two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. Would you have run away? Some some nods there. Would you have questioned God's plan? Would you have said, you know what, God? What? Are you kidding me? Sacrifice my only son? Would you have slept in? Maybe if I sleep in, he won't. Maybe it was a dream. There's all of these different things. Abraham was old. He was an old man, more than a hundred. But he was a very, very wealthy man. Wealth. He was known for his wealth. But it's interesting, he chooses to saddle his own donkey, he chops his own wood for this, for this offering. And it's interesting, it's like some people when they're grieving, they put themselves to work in order to deal with the grief. In order to kind of put off the grief, they get busy. And Abraham, he, he may have been just trying to take his mind off of what was about to happen. After doing all these tasks, he sets out to the place where God told him to go. Just like Jesus, there's a verse in Luke about Jesus, how... The scripture says, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, like Jesus knew his time of his death was coming. He knew what was going to happen to him. And it says, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He kind of set his face upon the mission that God had asked him to do. Very, very similar idea here. Abraham was very, very focused. And then it says in verse 4, on the third day, Abraham, he looked up and he saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, you stay here with the with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. He points at this mountain. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. And Abraham walked three days. He, get, he walked three days to get to this place where he would make the sacrifice. He had all this time on the way to think about what was going to happen. I wonder, I mean, we don't get to see it, but if what kind of conversation he was having with Isaac, thinking this may be his last opportunity to relate to his precious son, but look closely at the at the phrase at the very end. Look at the confidence. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Circle the word we. Because I think that gives us a clue that he already knew God in some way was going to provide. He could have said, I mean, he, you know, we're going to worship and I'll be back. 
But he says, we will come back. And at the same time, he knows. See, Abraham went through this test trusting that God would make a way and not take his son. He put his confidence in the fact that God had made a promise that went through Isaac. Because when Isaac was born, God spoke and said, this is the one that will take, this is your offspring that will create this nation out of. And Abraham put his trust in the promise of God. And then next we hear the conversation between Abraham and his son. Verse 6. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son Isaac. He gives Isaac the wood to carry out. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and he said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? He's like, you know, fire, check. Wood, check. Are we going to find the lamb somewhere? I mean, he knew the drill. He knew what an offering was. And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. My son. It's a fascinating phrase right here. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. My son. It's interesting. I'm going to tangent briefly. The comma, my son. You know, lamb for the burnt offering, comma, my son. There's no commas in Hebrew. And so... It's interesting the wording like here. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. My son. Was he, was he saying, my son, like you're the offering? Or was he just answering his son? I don't know. But I've always found that to be interesting. The fact that he, that he states what's about to happen here. And it says, then the two of them went on together. Abraham makes this statement. God himself will provide. That's the, we get a song or a, a, a title of God, Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will provide, but this, this actually in the text says God Himself will provide. God Himself will, will, will provide. This is the first direct and explicit reference to God's providence in the Scripture. This is the first time we see directly and explicitly a reference to the fact that God sees beforehand. This was an ultimate expression of His, of his faith. And again, our confidence grows. Abraham's confidence grew every time he t- trusted God to provide. Even when it looked like God was going to take the one he loved so much. But then look at verse 9. When they reached the place that God had told them about, Abraham, he built an altar there and he arranged the wood on it. He bound, he ties his son, Isaac, and he lays him on the altar on top of the wood. The, the, as a dad, you know, just trying to imagine tying my son up Placing him on on this wood that, and then I'm about to look what happens. You know, he he pulls the knife from its sheath. Verse ten. Then he reaches out his hand to took, takes this knife out to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, and he responds the same way. Here I am, Hineni. I'm fully here. I'm present. I'm sure he's thinking something very different at this point. Here I am. Stop me. You know, here I am. Provide something. Here I am. He replied, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld. The word withheld means you've not restrained, you've not held back from me, your son, your only son. See, this is what we do. We typically trust God until he calls us to do something that is too difficult. And then we hold back at that point. God, I'll trust you up to this point until it really costs me what I really want. But he says, God said, because you didn't do that, don't lay a hand, don't do anything. I know now that you fear me. You have a, that doesn't mean you're afraid of me. 
The word has to do with you respect me. There's a sense of awe that you have, a reverence that you have towards me. God wants to know that we will not withhold anything from him or put anything before him. This was only a test. The boy was never going to die. This was only this was a test, again, to build confidence. Why do we need to know this, though, about Abraham? This is a very, very important story. I think the reason we want that we need to know this is because Abraham was the father of a nation. His legacy would be crucial in the type of people that God wanted to raise up, people of faith for generations and generations and generations. God was trying to build a culture, and so he started with a man to build upon. He, a man who had ultimate faith in ultimate circumstances because he would leave a legacy for other people to follow that kind of faith. We've, As a kid, I remember singing a song, Father Abraham. Have you sung the song before? Father Abraham had many sons. You may not have, but it, it just it's this marching song. You're marching and your Father Abraham had many sons and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So let's just, what, praise the Lord? God was, why would we sing that song? The reason is because God was testing the one he was building upon. When we exercise that type of faith and we hold nothing back, we're acting like our father Abraham. We're exercising faith like our father Abraham. So then verse 13, it says, Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by his horns. One writer said, The ram was not caught by the thicket alone, but by the one who made the thicket. God provided. The Lord himself will provide. He went over, it says, and he took the ram. He sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And so Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The truth is, you have to follow God up the mountain if you're going to see him provide. You have to follow closely and carefully and, and, and exactly if you're going to see God provide. Sometimes we think, God, I've done most of the things you've asked me to do, but we don't follow him all the way up the mountain. We come close and then we don't see him provide. And when we don't, we get frustrated. We start pointing the finger at God and say, you ripped me off here. I did all it. No, you, we typically don't. We typically do some of what he says until it gets too difficult. And Abraham, he he displays something very, very different. When we were starting this church, one of the things that we were looking for was a worship leader. And I've shared this story, but I love to share this story because this is, for me, a personal illustration of seeing God come through in this area. We were praying and God really impressed upon us that it was time to to really set a date and to not delay. So... Our group moved out here. There was seven adults, five kids. We moved to Riverside from kind of the Chino Hills, Diamond Bar, Ontario area. We moved here. We'd set a date for when we were going to launch the church. We had a lot of the pieces in place. Like um, we had like our setup, tear down janitorial staff. That was like all the men. And uh, we had our, our kids, um, you know, and our singers. That was like all the ladies. You know, we had teachers. And all. So our team was ready to go, you know. And But one of the things we didn't have was a worship leader. And I remember the the, the first services we had in our, in our house, DJ, guy who's running the soundboard back there, he stepped up and God provided the confidence he needed to trust him. And I remember 
playing guitar with DJ in college, and he and I would, you know, just kind of goof around, play guitar together. And I remember the night before, he's like, um, we were practicing together. We were going to lead together. And he said, Josh, if you want, I'll, I'll do this. And I was like, are you sure? And I'm thinking, are you sure? Like, you're confident you can do this. And he's he's like, I could do this. I mean, it was with the Lord's strength. And so him and Anna practiced from what I understand for, for a while, you know, just working through the songs. We had our first service. These guests showed up. And, I, you know, it was like, what is going to happen? You know, there's about maybe 15 of us adults in this circle. And he hits this first song and praise was like ringing. And we're singing and rejoicing and, and just, it was this amazing provision, you know, in this area. Like God provided what we needed. And DJ, and slowly people, more, more people came and, you know, he had a, he had a, a little drummer guy that played the, the beatbox thing and, and, you know, we were able to kind of, God again was providing and then there came a point where we we're going to have our grand opening and we were praying for a, a worship leader that would lead a band and help form a band and we were praying and all of us were, were, Wanting, we, we had a certain kind of person in mind. Someone who was humble, someone who was teachable, someone who wasn't just like, here, let me show you how this is going to work, but someone who wanted to grow with us and allow, um, and not, and not bring with themselves a ton of like, uh, new direction for the church. And that's hard to find. And you might think it's very easy to find a person who can do that, but it's really, really difficult. And God, Along our way, there's different people that popped up and it was like, maybe this is the person. And we prayed and just didn't seem like that was what God was saying yes to. And then another person, no, this wasn't right. And then one day, time is, is, you know, our launch is coming up. And one day, I meet Cassie and Cody at a coffee shop and got to know Cody and just the Lord had provided. It was very much a sense of we're going to launch this church on this day and God, you'll provide. And my mentor calls Cody our ram in the thicket as a church. He says he's the ram in the thicket for you guys. God provided him at just the right moment. His first Sunday um, was our grand opening, I believe. <laughs> and uh, and it was all like, is this really going to happen? About 150 people showed up. We served in and out, so we had a lot of extra people that day. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, he's playing, and it was just like, wow, the Lord provided. And we've seen that. And, and every time we see that, my confidence in God just grows. The interesting thing about Abraham's story is that 2,000 years later, God offers up His Son, Jesus, to be sacrificed for our sin. Tradition locates Calvary, the, the cross, the hill where Jesus died and was, was crucified. Tradition locates that on the same exact site as Moriah, where Abraham took Isaac. This is a sense in which God gives this story as a parallel to Jesus' sacrifice. Verse 15, it goes on, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham for, from a second, from heaven a second time, and he said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you've done this and you've not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. He reminds him of his promise. I will surely bless you, make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Passing the test led to God's blessing for Abraham and many others. We're, we're benefiting. We've been blessed because of Abraham's obedience. If we don't trust God in the midst of crisis, we don't get to experience His blessing. We miss out. 
We learn from Abraham a few things really briefly. Trusting God's provision prepares us to deal with loss. Loss or the threat of loss. New Testament writer of Hebrews, he looks back at some of the people who were champions of the faith. And their mark in their lives was they exercised faith. God gave them opportunities to choose faith. And they exercised faith. But you get to the verse 17 in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. So we deal with the threat of loss all the time. We deal with it all the time. Will my dreams come true? Will this dating relationship work out? Will I be able to pay my bills? Will my marriage ever improve? Will I pass these classes? Will my ministry, will my career, will they take off? We deal with the threat of loss all the time. And what we're to do is we offer it up to God, just like Abraham. We offer it up to God in faith and do what he's shown us to do with everything we've got. Right now, where do you need to trust God? What area of your life? What What is that thing that God is saying? I want you to trust me with this. What is that area that you love so much and you've worked so hard for and you're so focused on? The question is, will you trust God with it and offer it up to Him just in the same way that Abraham did? Jesus showed us that trusting God's provision is also the way that we deal with not just loss, but worry. Jesus talks about worry, and the picture on your on your uh, on your bulletin is kind of illustration of this passage, Luke twelve, and we'll end with this. Jesus says, "Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid; you're worth more than many sparrows." Verse twenty-two says, "Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you." Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Don't worry, he says. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? So faith in God's providence and His provision gives us Again, the confidence to deal with things like worry, with loss. Without it, we're timid. We, we lack the trust without it to have a solid footing in life. God continues to bless those who trust Him to provide. A good question I have is, will we be the kind of people who present ourselves to God in the same way Abraham did? And just say, Hineni, God. Here I am. Fully. I am fully present. I am fully here. Will we be the kind of people, will we be the kind of church that will say, here we are. Like, will we follow him up the mountain to see him provide? Or will we just play it safe, stay in our comfort zone, do what we've always done so that we can control it? Or will we trust God to lead us into areas where we are forced to see him come through? In just a few moments, we're going to receive our offering. And on the back of this, we typically like to highlight some of these next steps. So on the back of this connection card, and Cody, you can go ahead and come forward. And Here's some next steps you might consider taking. One is 
Reread Genesis 22, 1 through 18. Spend some time with God this week. Reread this passage. And then reread that Hebrews 11 passage. And just record what, what God has shown you. Record the lessons you've learned. And really think through, what does this mean for me personally? What is it I might not be trusting God with that I need to offer up to Him? Secondly, trust God's providence in my worries by praying and obeying every time. We build confidence. When we're worried about something, we build confidence as we trust His providence and pray and obey every time. The last one we've, we've intentionally just left blank so that you can... Maybe you have something specific. There's something maybe you're just needing to offer up to God and you're holding back. You're withholding something precious. Maybe that's something you want to just personalize right and we'll pray for you in that area. So let's go to the Lord in prayer.